Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, and today I'm very excited to tell you I've got a wonderful, lovely lady guest for today. Her name is Laurie Kompanos. Welcome, Laurie. Oh, hi, Lynn. It's so nice to be here with you. And Laurie, what is your preferred title that you, you like to use when referencing who you are and what you do? Well, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Connecticut in New England, uh, the U.S., Lynn. But I think of myself as a mentor because ourselves. So I don't take people into the past because of what I learned from the late Sidney Banks. Uh, my postgraduate training that dates back to 1985. And I came to see that really the past does not exist anymore. And although people believe that the past affects them, it's actually how they think about the past, how they think about things that occurred in the past. That's what's affecting them in the present. So I really, as a mentor, I'm just listening for how a person sees their life and their worldview. You know, and then I'll I'll hear what they're not understanding about how our psychological life actually works from within us. Isn't that the truth? You know, um, I, I absolutely hundred percent agree. You know, perception is all there is, isn't it? And, and it isn't um, what necessarily has happened to you, but how you perceive what's happened to you and and how you respond to that. Exactly. And our responses are going to be according to how we see things. So it's so interesting. When I look back on my own past, it changes depending on what mood I'm in. When I'm, you know, remembering something from my past, if I'm in a low mood, I'll focus well in my in my view of things. But when I'm in an up mood, I can see with gratitude things just look different. So really what I point out to people, it has a lot to do with the moods that all of us go through. That's the human nature. If we're human, we're bound to have moods. We can't trust what we think really in any mood, but definitely not in the lower moods because it's going to take us on a pathway that we don't want to be on. It's not productive. It's not useful for us. Why go on a negative path when it's just a temporary low mood? There's no mood that a human can be on forever. Now, there's things we do in our brain that cause us to stay in a low mood longer than is necessary, 
we enlarge it by buying into it, by believing in it. Do you know, do you have that experience, Lynn, that when you're in a low mood, if you really believe it, you know, and it looks so real, it looks so true, because we're conscious beings and we're conscious of everything we think. Absolutely. You know, it's it's definitely all about what we focus on, which then determines not only, you know, our mood and, and how we feel and what path that then takes us down, but also our physiology, you know, our body posture sort of can reflect that. So if you're feeling quite low, you know, you quite often um, will have your, your head down and your shoulders hunched and and, and that physiology can affect and make you feel even worse. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that interesting, right? We, we're all one system at play here. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how, how we are created. So, you know, with that, it's kind of a feedback mechanism too. We may not always recognize in the moment that we're in a low mood, we're so in our head thinking about what went wrong and what we should have done differently and on and on and how we're just not good enough in the world. You know, all that low quality thinking that is indicative of a low mood. So when we're there, we may not recognize it except for we might notice, like you said, that we're looking down at the ground and we're kind of walking around slouchy and that might be a tip off. The feeling itself is a wonderful feedback mechanism that we are built in this way to have a feedback mechanism of where our thinking is. <laughs> so, you know, immersed in negativity, we'll get that feeling. It's an automatic feedback. <laughs> Definitely. And on that note, you know, um, sort of off air, I know we was discussing around this never good enough syndrome that you was talking about, you know, the, the, the time that you went through when, in your early years. And I'm more interested and I think our listeners will be very interested in, in knowing more about that phase that you went through, Laurie. Yeah, well, here's the thing, Lynn. This is a, a bit of a story. So cut me off anytime you need to. You know, I was already studying to be a therapist mainly because I wanted to help myself and I wanted to help my mother. You know, I feel like I learned how to be really depressed and anxious. Bless her. My mother really suffered. And to me, it looked like I had to help her. So I was on a um, search, on a search for helping her, helping myself. I wound up, I, I was an art teacher. I never planned to be a therapist in life. That was not part of the plan. <laughs> but I was searching high and low, and one thing led to another, and I decided, well, if I become a therapist, I can help myself too. And, you know, part of that is true that we, in helping others, we really help ourselves. So through quite a search, and I was in therapy with a very well-meaning Jungian analyst uh, when I lived in San Francisco at this wonderful Jungian Institute that you know, I was in my 20s at the time, and I thought, well, boy, this is sexy. 
it just seemed really um, sexy to be going to this old institute and being analyzed. And you know what? That that lasted for four years on a very mediocre salary because I um, career I was. Um, actually working as a cocktail waitress, believe it or not. And I eventually got a job through, but it was only a part-time job through Stanford University Children's Hospital. I was a on their psychosomatic unit for kids who were mostly diagnosed with anorexia. So my salary was really mediocre, but I was paying my psychologist out of pocket. Back then, it was $80 an hour once a week for four years. And I don't have, I don't believe in regrets because everything is a learning experience. So I went in depressed and four years later, I was just as depressed, but I could tell you the reasons why. And they were all external reasons about, you know, something my mother said or my father said or how I was being treated all externals. So my depression never lifted. I just had reasons to, which actually, and and I see this as so innocent in my therapist back then, because she was doing the best she knew, the best she was taught. And by golly, a friends of mine, actually it was my former husband, and also my supervisor, my supervisor introduced me to my former husband. She was my supervisor for the LMFT, the licensed marriage and family therapy therapist in California at the time. So they brought me to a talk by the late Sydney Banks. This was about 1984. And I honestly could not tell you what he was talking about. It was so simple. It just sounded absurdly simple to me. But I felt a relief, this feeling of relief. And it had something to do with, I'm not running my life. I'm not running the show here. It's not all up to me. Whether I'm married, divorced, single, the things that happen in life is not my fault. I didn't make it happen. <laughs> it, life happens and we respond or react to it. And I was very much in reactive mode, trying to fix myself because I never felt adequate. I never felt like I was good enough. I, whether it was pretty enough, smart enough, at times it was, you know, I was in my 20s. So back then I had thoughts about, well, you know, my blonde girlfriends have more fun. <laughs> and I <laughs> bought into that. I believe that. I, you know, I'm surprised I didn't dye my hair blonde. And people do things like that because they honestly believe, or if they're driving a fancy car, or if they are wearing, you know, the best clothing. Our externals are not what make a person. And what I saw through then, I decided I was going to go to every talk I could possibly go to that Sid Banks offered. And they were all over the country. And at the time, and 
he's even presented in his later life in other countries. But we would just go to a Sid Banks talk and then go on vacation because the feeling was so wonderful. We'd get into this beautiful feeling because whatever Sid's words were, they really resonated with, you know, we're good. We are coming from some formless energy. You know, you can call it the spiritual aspect of life that we can't see. It's formless. We don't see it, but we know that there's an energy that's flowing through us. It's what's beating our heart and and pumping our lungs. What does that? It's not us doing it. it. We don't have to think our way into living. It's a gift that's given to us. And But the thinking that we follow as though it's an absolute truth is going to lead us astray or lead us back into love. You know, what I really see, have come to see, is that formless spiritual energy, you can call it pure consciousness, which is uncontaminated by negative thinking, that energy is love. And I know it because I'll drop into that feeling of love when there's nothing on my mind. I could be in a supermarket, have a bunch of stuff on my mind, like, oh, I got to get through this quick so I can get onto the five other things I have planned to do. I could be in my head like this, and then I'll catch the face of a baby in a shopping cart. And all that thinking is out of my head, and I drop into this feeling of love. This is a strange baby. I have no idea who the parents are, but you, I can feel it. That feeling is available the minute we let go of all the thinking that's on our mind and just clear our head. And I think, you know, listening to Sid Banks, and anybody can do that now. They can just Google Sidney Banks. There are some old talks that are free for people to hear. There's something about the feeling that he, and he did not live in that feeling from birth, that's for sure. He only lived in that feeling from the point of his insight and his epiphany about how life really works from the inside out. You know, we just take it for granted that we work from outside in, that whatever happens to us is going to have an effect on us. But you know what? Even looking at really awful things that have happened in life, like 9-11, I'm sure you were affected by that even in Spain. I think you, you come from the UK, but you're living in Spain. And I think that's where you lived uh, when 9-11 happened in New York. Well, of course, that felt terrible, awful to all of us. But I know personally that when my mind was not on that, it was moments during the first week that that happened, I would have... I would be thinking about something else. I was not affected by that awful thing that happened when my mind wasn't on it. So to me, I mean, that that's just proof that we're not affected by what's not in our head. I agree 100%. I do advocate and do believe that we are, and we know that we are just pure energy. Everything is just pure energy. If we had a high-powered microscope, and put it on any solid, 
or, or living thing, we just see that we're all energy particles at the end of the day in different forms. And like you say, you know, I think what our, our highest self is um, from the heart is trying to say is that um, look at the pure love energy that is who you truly are as a human being. Yeah, so easy to, that. to forget. <laughs> yeah, and get out of our heads, you know, <laughs> get out of our heads. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, when I had all those thoughts in my 20s and, oh, it, it made life miserable for me, made life miserable to think that we are not good enough because of some external factor. It's heartbreaking. I have a group now of 20-somethings because I want to share what has been so valuable for me to see so they don't have to suffer. Because I think that's where we start picking up, you know, we're comparing ourselves to others and it's so easy to come up short. But guess what? Other people are comparing themselves to us and then they are coming up short. I love to think of it as, you know, we're coming from this one pure loving energy and almost like a prism that brings that energy into the world of form, each one of us is expressing that in our own unique way. So we all have different talents. Even when we don't know what that talent is yet, it could be as simple as having a talent for recognizing your state of mind. I mean, everybody can do that. There's not one person alive who can't feel where their state of mind is, that's built in. We're born with that. I mean, that, you know, to me, that's a mind blower. What, what Sid discovered to me is nothing short of uh, the discovery of fire, you know, how that impacted humanity. There is absolutely no reason for us as humans to ever come up short. Now, sure, we want to improve our human life. There's nothing wrong with that, self-improvement and growth. and But appreciating the fact that we're able to do that, that's a whole different mindset, that we have the capacity for that, to be in a state of appreciation rather than always um, uh, comparing ourselves and entertaining thoughts that we're not good enough. You know, a lot of us are guilty for looking always, like you said, externally for that external validation when actually it's it's your own internal validation that needs looking at. <laughs> no. Validate yourself as being worthy yes. and good enough. Absolutely. And boy, does that get couples in trouble <laughs> in relationships because, oh, in so many different ways, you know. Every couple who comes to see me, they seem to feel it's their communication that's off. And when you dig a little deeper, you can see that it's often thoughts of lack, that they're lacking appreciation from their partner. They're lacking understanding from their partner. They're lacking love. And 
man, if you expect those things from a partner or anything or anyone outside of you, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. What you get is never going to match what you think you're supposed to get. But when you look within and you realize, wow, I already have that. We, we come to the world like literally bundles of love. You know, you see that in infants, they're little bundles of love. We don't lose that. So just think that as more and more people realize that in the world, they'll be giving love without expecting it in return. And when everybody's doing that, if everybody's giving love, we're going to get it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we give. Definitely. It, it does start with the self. You know, it's, it starts with looking at yourself and thinking, well, rather than expecting, like you say, the external world, whether that's your, your current partner or, or friends or family, to be validating that you're worthy of love, are you validating that you love yourself? And by, you know, focusing on that question and acknowledging that perhaps, you know, you're not validating that you're worthy of love yourself, and then changing that and then starting to validate that you're worthy of love, what you'll then attract is that external feedback, (laughs) ironically. Yeah, that whole idea of not being worthy, isn't that a bunch of bunk? (laughs) (laughs) Laurie, how did that impact your relationships at the time, the the, the never good enough syndrome? Oh, well... I'm no longer married, (laughs) for one thing. (laughs) And, um, you know, that was really what fueled my depression, this idea of not being good enough. For some reason, I didn't go to jealousy, but a lot of my clients go to jealousy. When they think they're not good enough, they become very jealous of anyone other than themselves. And that's where control comes in. You know, a lot of people feel controlled in their relationship. Well, it's coming from a partner who feels very insecure and lacking this understanding that there are perfect souls. We're perfect souls. It's the human that follows their negative thinking or follows mistaken thinking that will lead them to, to bad behaviors, you know, and there's a wide range of bad behaviors from people who think, you know, who find justification in murdering someone to somebody who finds justification in stealing from someone to someone who finds justification in having to keep uh, control of their partner because of their own insecurity. It's insecure thinking that leads people down a negative path. That is the only thing. You know, I was just in a conference for this, Lynn, in the UK in June, and one of the keynote speakers was a man who had recently come out of I don't know about recently, I think he was out for about a year or so. And he was learning what Sid Banks brought to us, uh, brought into the world, I should say. And he was a wonderful speaker because he talked about how 
his whole adult life, he had been in and out of prison, and he was absolutely confident he was out for good. There was no reason he would ever go back to the old shenanigans that would bring him back in. But his mindset changed. He saw himself as that a person at that level of society who could only exist by criminal activity. Isn't that amazing? And what he realized is that he has the same potential as anyone else in in the world, any other human. We're born with potential. What we do with that potential is directed by what we think. And what we think is not truth. It's not not absolute truth. The only truth is that we have the capacity to think anything. That's (laughs) the only truth in life. (laughs) I agree. The the state that we're born into the world is that state of, of pure love. And we just get conditioned, don't we? And parented and educated and environmentally um, educated as well by our societies that we live in to experience unhappiness or negativity or, you know, the thinking around like you were talking about not, not being good enough. And we forget actually, you know, with, with all these impactful things that are happening to us that actually that's not who we are. That's just been, like you say, bunkum over time that that you bought into. Exactly. That's not who we are, what we heard and bought into. And that is so powerful then for people to recognize that, who we are is pure consciousness and love, as you said. Yeah. And and this, I think, is... um... The awareness now that I think is um, becoming more and more commonly spread and shared. I can actually feel there's been a, a bit of a shift in the last few years. I don't know whether you feel it too, Laurie, in people searching for more, you know, self-help and, and personal development and actually becoming more now aware of of who they truly are. Yes. Yes, there were a thousand people at that conference in June. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And more on live stream. So yes, absolutely. There's been a, an enormous shift, Lynn. I I see it. it. There's this ripple effect as people share what their understanding about how life really works from within us. It's like turning the telescope back around to where we were meant to see out of. We're meant to see out of our pure consciousness and not get caught up in, yeah, we're, we're, we're human. Humans have negative thoughts and we have positive thoughts. We have everything in between. We don't ask for what we think. It just pops into our head. But what we do with it is what will bring us back within ourselves to a pure loving feeling or It'll bring us into a space that we don't really, we're not going to get anything from. There's no value in following our negative thinking, our less than thinking, our judgmental thinking. Our, yeah, because all of that is coming from the human brain. And quite often we're not even aware that we're slipping 
into the that that mode of thinking you know because we're quite often you know in victim mode and think that life is happening to us and we've got no control over our lives when actually we have enormous power you know once we become more conscious and aware of our thinking uh we can change that in an instant well <laughs> I'm not always able, I'm not always that adept. But I, what you're referring to, I, I think, is when we see it, yeah, then it it changes on a dime. I mean, when I try to change in the past, you know, um, positive thinking was in vogue for a while. And I tried to change what I thought uh, to a positive when I was in negativity. And, you know, I didn't it didn't catch on because I knew I was hoodwinking myself, but knowing that my negative thinking is going to pass. So I don't feed it. And it does by golly, it passes naturally on its own. Just when, when I don't give it any juice, when I don't give it any energy, it passes. This reminds me too. I think I mentioned that I put out to a, uh, community I have on a Facebook group called Conscious Dating Community. I asked them what they'd like me to speak about on this podcast with you. And the one comment that came back that I'd love to speak to about is um, how do you trust other people, right? So for not just single people, but single in, but people in relationships also who you know, when I mentor my couples, if someone had an affair or somebody drained the bank account or somebody got caught up in drugs, even though they're, they've been uh, clean for a year, their partner may still feel like, oh, I don't know. How can I trust that this is the real deal? Well, here's the, my answer to that. Never trust another person and don't trust yourself either because you never know when that other person or yourself is going to go negative. We never know. We can be whistling Dixie and all of a sudden get a negative thought and go south. So you don't want to trust what you think in those negative thoughts. But the idea of not trusting another person, that's a concept. You mentioned conditioning, Lynn, mm. a little bit ago. And we get conditioned to think that we can't trust another human. So we hold back. We keep the flow, the natural flow of love out into the world, other people, freely, when we're not holding it back for fear that they're going to harm us or hurt us, no human can hurt us. It's always our own thinking that hurts us, always. I mean, that is so priceless to see that. And, it, you know, like you said, I'm so thrilled that it's really rippling out into the world now because there's less blame in the world as a result you know, you can't blame another person when you realize that if you don't trust somebody, it's your own doing. It's not their doing. If they get into a negative place and they act it out or speak it, that's their problem. 
Yeah. You, we can't fix them. They have to have their own insight to realize that they're doing it to themselves. They can't actually do it to us unless we're thinking about what they just did. Yeah, that's true. You know, there, there's a lot of wisdom in the words, you know, that somebody can only hurt you verbally if you allow them to. In other words, if you allow those words to make you react in a way that feels hurt. And there's nothing wrong in that. You know, we're human beings, like you said, but it, there's no there's no point in wallowing or dwelling in that negative state. Right, right. And, you know, when you're on your game, you'll see it as coming from their state of mind and there's no need to react when you see it. I mean, you know. We're human, so we're not always going to catch it. But boy, what a blessing when we do, huh? Yeah, because then we can have compassion, can't we? We can have compassion for the person that's hurt us. You know, we can have compassion for the parents that have hurt us. We can have compassion for the siblings that have hurt us and the friends that have hurt us because we can now understand that, you know what, they were dealing with their own stuff. Perhaps, you know, I wasn't aware as what I am now. And, and you know, to understand that they were doing the best with the knowledge and resources they had at the time. Absolutely. Oh, that's such an important point. Absolutely. Everybody is doing the best, ourselves included, given how we're being in that moment and how and what's looking real to us. That's so valuable when people can see that. So when somebody's misbehaving, even if it's our lifelong partner misbehaving, if you remember that that's coming from their state of mind, compassion is the automatic result, right? You know, I say to the, the couples I work with, you know, the last thing when, when your partner is railing at you and upset with you, they're like a prickly pear feeling they're feeling insecure. That's the only reason. People who feel secure and they're in a nice state of mind, they never have to, you know, express anger and upset. It, it doesn't make sense. But when you drop in a lower mood and something your partner says feels hurtful and you forget that that hurt is coming from your own thinking about it because we can't be hurt by another person. It's their thinking. Even if they're out to hurt us, it's still their thinking. So it's it's really interesting that it's possible, not only possible, but it's a it's a wonderful thing to feel compassion for the person who is berating you. And that'll help you drop into a quiet state of mind. And you know, compassion is is a feeling of love. You can still love somebody who is beating you up with words or, you know, obviously if they're physically beating you up, you got to get out of the way quick. You have to make sure you're safe. That's the first order of business. But um, that wisdom you spoke about, that clear-headed wisdom allows us to not take it personally. It's not personal when somebody, even if they're pointing out things they don't like about us that we're not particularly proud of either, 
it's still not personal. It's, yeah, I'm a human and I'm not perfect. And help me be better and do better. You know, what a different stance that is. It's a whole different dance in a relationship when you become students and teachers of one another. Because how often do you get two people who are in a blissful state of mind at the same time? Wonderful when it happens, but, you know, you can't count on that. And so whoever is in a higher state of mind at the time with more clarity and more love in their heart, man, the other person would do well to become a student of that person right then and there. <laughs> and then the role of student-teacher shifts, you know, at different times. That's a beautiful relationship that we're all learning from one another. Massively, you know, and whether they, you're in an intimate relationship or not, you know, um, we are, you know, always a student, aren't we, <laughs> in life? Always, always a student of life. Absolutely. Right. Well, on that note, Laurie, I'm going to have to uh, unfortunately end this particular episode, but I'd love to have you back on again and and perhaps we can dig a bit deeper into the subject of, um, you know, the trust issue, for example, which we didn't have time to delve into on this particular episode. But, you know, it's something that we could probably get into and discuss on a, a future episode. Oh, thank you, Lynn. I'd love that. I'd really enjoy that. Thank you. So... For the benefit of our listeners, Laurie, what, what's your best contact information? Probably my email, which is my first name, Laurie, at the number three, not three spelled out, the number three principles, therapy.com. Uh, so by email or on Facebook, and I'm Emmy at my name, Laurie Carpenos. Yeah, it's probably the best way to contact me. Excellent. And any other contact information, I'll make sure goes into the show notes as well as more information about Laurie herself so you can find out more about her and, and what she does. Wonderful, wise lady. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Laurie. Oh, thank you, Lynn, and your wisdom as well. I'm so glad we connected. <laughs> That's another story about how we connected, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and on that note, listeners, uh, until next time, remember that true love starts with opening your hearts. So until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined. Or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.